ladies. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me this morning to Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome, Romans chapter 5. And I want to talk to you in a few minutes about peaceful living in an uptight world. I believe everyone wants to have peace of mind. Even those who respond many times to the question, you know, what's, what's the most important thing in your life? And they'll say, well, just to be happy. But in reality, what they're saying is they want peace of mind. But that's kind of difficult in the world that we now live. It's kind of an uptight world. Do I have a witness on that? It's wound really tight right now. And uh, most of the time we have to acknowledge that we're not experiencing a lot of peace. I'm talking about in our lives. We, we don't see it in the world, but also in our lives because we're experiencing more stress than anything else. And stress has an incredible impact on us. It impacts us physically. It impacts us uh, emotionally. It impacts us mentally. And it even impacts us uh, spiritually as well. Uh, it has a power in and of itself. Uh, I remind you and just hold your place here in, in Romans chapter 5, but over in Proverbs chapter 17, if you just look at that with me just for a moment, Proverbs chapter 17 and, and in uh, verse 22, and uh, the scripture says this, Solomon writing says, a joyful heart is good medicine. And, and certainly is. I mean, when there's joy in our heart, it has a positive impact on us physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually. But notice what he goes on to say in that verse, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. In other words, what's going on internally when we're dealing with stress, we're dealing with anxiety, we're dealing with all the pressures of, of life that is around us, uh, is that it has an impact on us physically. Uh, I, I read just the other day that they did a study on one occasion uh, of uh, women who were dealing with mild depression. And they just wanted to study every aspect of it. And so one of the things they were doing were x-rays. And uh, what they discovered was that because of that mild depression, uh, they were losing bone density in their body. But once they could get them out of that and get them on top of that and, and they began to feel uh, excited about life and joyful again about life, then the body responded opposite of that and was literally producing more and more calcium to strengthen the weakened areas of their bones. And so you see, you know, what's going on on the inside does have an impact upon us physically. I, I've shared this on several occasions, but I uh, can't help but think about it. Uh, some 44 years ago, okay, Kathy and I have been married 44 years, but it was, it was on a Sunday and I was supposed to go on Sunday evening to her house and ask for her father for her hand in marriage. So we're, we're sitting there, First Baptist Church of Columbia, we're having worship, and all of a sudden I just break out and sweat. Not perspiration, but sweat. I mean, it was dripping off my fingers. It was coming through my clothes. I could feel it running down underneath my shirt. I was aching all over. I thought I had the flu. So after church, I go back to my room and, and I'm lying down and finally Kathy gives me a call. She says, you coming tonight, aren't you? And I said, no, I don't think I'm going to make it. She said, you're going to make it. And of course I did. And I had 
I went through the process. I asked for her hand in marriage. And all of a sudden, I just felt great. <laughs> all of a sudden, all those symptoms went away. What was going on? Stress was going on, all right? And so it has this incredible impact on our lives physically. It impacts us emotionally. Uh, let me give you this passage of scripture also out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12. Would you look at that with me just for a moment? Proverbs chapter 12 and in verse 25. And it says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But a good word, of course, makes it glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. In other words, it has that negative impact upon us. And that has an incredible impact upon our witness. Even as followers of Christ, uh, when we're having to deal with stress and pressure constantly in our lives, and, and maybe I'm the only one doing that, but I, I don't think I am because I'm just like everybody else. I make my list. I'm checking off my list, and probably about 10 o'clock in the morning after three phone calls, that list just multiplied. And you feel that pressure. You feel that stress because you want to meet every need. You want to accomplish everything. And so it has that impact, and sometimes it can create in us, you know, at that sense of bitterness and resentment and just overwhelmed and so kind of have a sour spirit trying to make it through the day and it hurts our witness for the Lord. It's one of the reasons why in the month of November we've been looking at certain things together. Uh, two weeks ago we looked at uh, spirit-led attitude, this attitude of gratitude where the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 and and in verse, uh, in verse 20 says this, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Well, how do we do that? How do we give thanks for all things? The only way we can do that is to have within us the Spirit-led attitude, that which comes from the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about also uh, Spirit-led attitude of joy last week, and that comes also from the Holy Spirit. But what we're going to look at today is what I'm called Spirit-led peace or peaceful living in an uptight world. And so I want you to notice three things with me. I hope you'll jot these down and, and be a part of what God is saying here. First of all, notice with me, we'll talk about peace with God. This is where it all starts. None of us can experience real peace outside of, first of all, being at peace with God. No other peace can actually be accomplished or experienced at least at any length or in any manner from that point. So notice what Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. This is where we begin, being at peace with God. He says, therefore, verse 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you, you recognize that any time in Scripture you see the word therefore at the beginning of a verse, it is there for a reason, and that is he is drawing a conclusion from something he's already said. So look back, just one verse, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 25, and notice what he says here. He's talking about the Lord Jesus, and he says, he, referring to Christ, who was delivered over because of our transgression 
and was raised because of our justification. Notice two things so we can understand Romans 5.1. He said, first of all, Jesus was delivered over. That, that just simply means that our eternal God and Father uh, turned over his son. He released his son. He brought his son for a purpose so that he could pay in full for the penalty of our sin. God, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave. That means he turned over. He brought him to come and make uh, restitution. He came to lay his life down for us on the cross of Calvary to pay for in full all of our sin, past, present, and future. Then he says this, he was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. It's an incredible word. What he's saying is that when Christ laid his life down on the cross and he became that perfect, eternal atonement for our sins, God accepted it in full so that he could declare us justified. What does that mean? It's a legal term. Justification is a legal term. It means to be legally declared not guilty. And for us, when we're talking about our relationship with God and dealing with the sin in our lives, we're talking about legally, spiritually declared not guilty. Now, probably all of you, to some degree, have been consumed with, you know, what has been taking place in Wisconsin and, and, and the court proceedings and all of that this past week. And regardless of how you feel about it, things of that nature, when that jury came back, they came back and they declared that legally this young man was not guilty. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The eternal God of heaven, our eternal God and Father, will declare you legally, spiritually, not guilty. So he says in verse one of chapter five, it says, therefore having been justified, watch this, by faith, not by works, not because you're so religious. Not because you're in the Old Testament and you figured out all the laws of Moses and so you've been able to keep all the laws of Moses perfectly, which you can't do because the law is there to show us that we can't, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. He says, none of those things. He says, no, you have been declared, listen to that, you have been declared legally, spiritually, not guilty of sin, period, by faith. Faith that what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross was absolutely, totally sufficient for your eternal salvation. So he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Never again are we his enemies. That's why Paul could later say in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, you are therefore, there is therefore no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that covers everything. That covers eternity.
eternity. This, this statement where he says, therefore having been justified by faith, when we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, is written in what we call the aorist tense. And I don't bring that up much when I'm talking about language, but it's so important here because it means it is completed action. It's not something that's evolving. This is completed action. Already, forever, been declared Legally, spiritually, not guilty of sin in our lives. That's why Paul could write in 2 Corinthians uh, 5, uh, 18, where he says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that he could make us righteous in God. I, I had nothing. You had nothing. The righteousness of Christ has been credited to our account forever. And so I'm at peace with God. And if that's what you have done, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and said, you are forever at peace with God, you are in the position of God's favor on your life. Now, you may be sitting there and think, well, well, Pastor, I know that I know. I mean, there's no question in my heart. I've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm at peace with God. I just don't always feel that peace in my heart. Right, do I have a witness on that? There's sometimes that's true, is it not? As followers of Christ, we don't always feel that peace in our heart. Well, that's, just, that's another aspect. What I share here in the first part, peace with God, is a fact. Not a feeling, it's a fact. And you put your faith in it forever. But the second thing we need to look at is not only peace with God, and here's what you're really thinking about, peace of God. The peace of God. John chapter 14, would you turn there with me for a moment? The Gospel of John chapter 14 and in verse 27. Jesus said this. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. He says, my peace I give to you. Well, what's the significance of that? Well, he's telling us it's a gift. He says, the peace that I give has to come from me. You, you don't earn it. It's not that you deserve it. It's not that you can work for it. It's not that you can manufacture it. not that you can manipulate yourself. Well, all of a sudden, now you're feeling this incredible peace of God in your heart. He says, no, this is a gift that I give to you. Well, how does he give that gift? Do he gives it through his spirit, the Holy Spirit. I really want to emphasize this because we often, in talking about the gospel, emphasize the gift of eternal forgiveness. That's awesome, obviously. We just talked about that. The gift of eternal life that we know that, you know, when we come, our life comes to the end here, we, we've got eternal life with the Lord and and what a blessed assurance that is. But along with salvation comes the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
He literally comes to dwell in you, and he is the source, number one, of spirit-led attitude, a lifestyle of attitude of gratitude, uh, spirit-led joy, a lifestyle of joy in the Lord, but he's the source of this peace of God, not peace with God, that's a fact. When we talk about feeling and knowing and being directed, this peace of God. And he gives it to us for a purpose. So take your Bibles and turn with me now to Paul's letter to the Christians in Colossians. Colossians, uh, if you look with me, Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 15. Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 15. And notice what he says about peace that is given to us. Listen to what he says, verse 15. Paul writes, let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Look at that, that first phrase there, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word for rule there, this is the only place in all God's word this one word is used. And it literally means to umpire. He said, let, let the peace of Christ, the peace of God, be the umpire of your heart. Now, what's the responsibility of umpire? Well, one, one thing is they call the shots, amen. But the most important thing is that the umpire, listen carefully, is making sure that the game is being played according to the rules, and they're the ones following the rules. So when he says, let the peace of God be that internal umpire of your heart, he's saying, let the Holy Spirit Use the peace of God to let you know where you are and are you living according to the rules? That is, are you living as a child of God? You see, one of the reasons we do not feel a lot of times the peace of God is because we're under conviction. That's one of the things the Lord uses, the Holy Spirit uses. When I begin to wander off, I'm just like you, all right? And, and so we have times where we're struggling, we're up and down, we're sinners saved by grace, and so there's sometimes uh, we don't always have the right attitude. There's sometimes that uh, we're not uh, making the right decisions and the actions that we're taking or the activities we're involving ourselves in. And I just want you to know that as a child of God, as a father of Christ, when that is true in my life, and when it's true in your life, you are not going to feel the peace of God. You're going to feel the conviction of God. That's a good thing. You say, well, why is that a good thing? Because it means he loves you. And you truly belong to him. And, when, and so that when we begin to wander to one direction or wander to another direction, all of a sudden he starts speaking to our hearts. He starts stirring something up in our heart. And we don't have peace. And when we don't have peace, then life is, you know, it's just we're dealing with all of those issues in our life. We got peace with God. That's the fact. That's settled all by the power of God himself. We're not experiencing the peace of God in our hearts. And so God says, you need to make an adjustment, right? You need to address something in your life. 
And that may be true right now. There may be some of you right now. You know, there are things in your life you need to address. And if, until we address them, so he just puts his thumb down. It's all out of love, but he puts his thumb down and says, I'm not picking it up until <laughs> you address it. Now, let me give you this, this incredible verse out of Psalms, uh, Psalms 119. Love this incredible verse. It's a simple statement. Uh, Psalms 119 and in verse 165. And it says this, those who love your law have great peace. Those who love your law. In other words, what he's saying is those who love to live by your principles and your promises and your precepts given to us in your word, they have peace. And when we choose not to live by them, we may choose some and then say, well, I'm not ready to, to, to do the others. And there's a stirring in our soul. There's that struggle in our spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit bringing us to conviction while he wants us to address it. And listen, God is so awesome in his forgiveness. Brothers and sisters in Christ, all that are here understand the incredible, unconditional, and the unchanging, and the unlimited love of God. Let me give you a couple of passages just to remind you of that. Uh, this will be up on the screen. Micah, the prophecy of Micah. Uh, Micah chapter uh, 7, verses 18 and 19. Listen to what the prophet said. He's talking about a sinner needing forgiveness. How does God respond to that? And he says this, who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he, watch this, he delights in unchanging love. Unconditional Wrap your heart around this. Unconditional, unchanging, unlimited love for you. That never change. It says as he delights in unchanging love, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, he will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And as I have heard many say uh, after that, and he put up a sign, no fishing. <laughs> In other words, he don't want it brought back up again. Hallelujah, amen? Isn't that awesome? And so he gives us this promise in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You see, conviction is a positive thing because out of his love, he's warning to draw us back so we can not only have, be at peace with him, but we can experience his peace within our own hearts in our own lives. Not only in terms of uh, conviction, but in terms of uh, finding the correct way. 
A lot of times people take Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 and say, well, if the peace of God is to be the empire, then, uh, then we need to use this as a means to try to discern God's will so that when I know God's will, I'll experience this incredible peace of God. Well, you've got to be careful with that simply because there are a lot of people who come up to me and say, well, I'm at peace about what I'm doing. And I'm kind of looking at them like, it didn't come from the Lord. Because I know and you know that what you're doing is not of the Lord. It's kind of like when, you know, I shared this last week. People come to me and say, well, don't you think God just wants me to be happy? No. He wants you to be holy. He doesn't mind us being happy. Don't misunderstand. He, he, he'll love for us to experience happiness. What he wants us really to experience is joy. But you see, what they do is they rationalize. I've been there, done that. You've probably been there, done that. So you rationalize what you want to do so that you can feel okay about it. And then when someone asks you about it, say, well, I got peace about it. Well, that just doesn't cut it. Because what I want you to know is that the, when, it, when it's the peace that comes from God, it's something that, are you listening? Say amen if you're listening. It's something that starts with God. And to start with God simply means that we're going to start with him, not with our own thoughts, not with our own ideas, but we start with him. We intentionally connect with him so that through the Holy Spirit and the scripture, he can lead us. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Verses 6 and 7. And you, you're familiar with this passage, but let's just look at it. Paul writes, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't get stressed out here. <laughs> Chill out. Can I use that phrase? Doesn't sound biblical, but that's really what, don't, don't be. He says, do not be anxious for anything. But in everything, circle that word. Not some things, not the things that you say, well, I'm kind of interested in how God sees this. <laughs> and then there's other things you're not interested in how God sees it, right? No, no, that's not what it says. In everything, you start with God. Are you getting it? Say amen. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. You start with him. That's the prerequisite. And then it comes back to this. And then here is the promise, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see that phrase? It's astounding to me. Surpasses all comprehension. You can't describe it. When we're talking about the peace of God, listen, the peace that the world offers you is what we call temporary lack of conflict. 
That's all it is. Temporary lack of conflict. And it's just, it's here sometime this afternoon. There may be conflict. Guess what? Peace is gone, right? Whether it's between husband and wife, whether it's within the family, uh, among friends, uh, co-workers, uh, and the body of Christ. The only peace the world can offer is a temporary absence of conflict. Jesus realized in the last 3,500 years on this, on this earth, there's only been like 280 years of actual peace. Think about it. And we're not seeing it now. Do I have a witness on that? I mean, throughout this nation, in our culture, how much hatred can we express? How much bitterness can be put on display? How much resentment is tearing this country apart? But the peace he talks about is a peace we, we can't put into words. But when you got it, you know it. And when it's there, you know you're doing the will of God. And so there's the peace with God. It starts there. If you're here this morning and, and you can't say, I know that I know I'm at peace with God. In other words, I have accepted the incredible eternal atonement that Jesus paid for me the guilt of all of my sin, past, present, and future, a completed action. If you can't say, I know that I know that God declares me in Christ, spiritually not guilty, then my challenge to you, I wouldn't leave this place until I could say that I know that I know because everything starts there, peace with God. But it's only when we at peace with God that we can experience the peace of God. Listen carefully, I'm closing with this. That we may experience peace through God. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. We are exhorted by the apostle Paul. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, your part, not pointing at anybody else. He says, I don't want you pointing at anybody. I'm talking, he said, I'm talking to you. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I do a lot of counseling, as you know. And this is a truth that I know to be true. Believe it with all my heart. There is no conflict that cannot be resolved if the people involved, if they all are at peace with God and they are surrendered and seeking the will of God so that they have the peace of God in their heart. 
There's no conflict that cannot be resolved. No question. The problem is getting that to be the reality. How many times have I had two people there struggling in conflict and one was at peace with God, was surrendered so they were seeking the peace of God, they letting the, the spirit of the Lord guide their heart to be able to do the will of God, but the other person were not, was not. You know what that's like? It's like putting your foot on the pedal and your foot on the gas at the same time. You're spinning a lot of wheels, but you're not going anywhere. But I have seen God in such an awesome way take two people in intense conflict. Both come to the point that they're at peace with God. They know that they know. Both are surrendered, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide their hearts to do the will of God. It's awesome, awesome reconciliation that takes place. And that's not just with people, that's, that's between groups of people, that's between races, that's between nations. It's the power of the peace that can only come from God and God alone. So I, I, I want to close this way. Would you just bow your head? Guys, I'm going to need a little music up there for, for just a moment. I, I, I just feel like that uh, there's some of you maybe want to just take a moment, and you can do that at your seat, I realize that. Just take a moment to just, just thank God that you're at peace with him, that you know that as you walk out that door, you know that you know you are a child of the living God. There's no question in your heart. Maybe there's some that this, the Holy Spirit, just even through the word this morning, not my word, but his word, has kind of brought about a, an uneasiness, maybe spoken to your heart, about something you need to address so that God can fill your heart, fill your life with his peace. Maybe there's conflict. And you realize that you may be one of the ones that's holding everything up. I don't know. But I just want to give a few moments right now for you to be able to respond to that.